Hi, everybody. I'm Charles Ansel, Vice President for Research Policy and Advocacy here at Complete College America, and excited that you're listening because we have here a man who needs no introduction, but I'll do one anyways. Uh, David Jenkins, uh, he works with the Community College Research Center at the Teachers College at Columbia University, uh, working with colleges and states across the country to find ways to improve educational employment outcomes for students, particularly for students of color, particularly for students from low-income backgrounds. And, you know, I imagine that a lot of you listening uh, know him, but, you know, Davis, what would you add to that introduction that I just did for you? Uh, I was raised uh, a preppy and a rich kid, and I'm good at ballroom dancing. That's one, one, uh, one advantage of having gone, being a rich kid and gone to Cotillion is that you know how to uh, sashay the ladies around the ballroom. Excellent, excellent. Well, <laughs> which really does not come in handy during a pandemic. So, I know. I'd hope not. Um, <laughs> so, and for those, I, I think everybody's familiar with the college, Community College Research Center, but just in case, you know, like what's, what's, right. What's some of the best things about the Community College Research Center? What is it? What does it do? What does it accomplish? So I've been with this uh, Community College Research Center since 2006, although I worked with CCRC before that. I knew Tom Bailey, the former director for a long time. I started in higher education in the early 80s, working with a firm that uh, the founders of which basically pioneered management consulting for higher ed. So that exposed me to a lot of, uh, the issues were different back then, but a lot of higher education at the state level. Um, CCRC uh, really tries to apply rigorous methods and uh, to understanding how to improve success for community colleges and how to help sustain community colleges as institutions. And I think what really distinguishes our work is we do this work almost exclusively in partnership with practitioners, uh, with colleges, and we do a lot, a lot of our work with state systems uh, and state agencies, uh, because in part, it, it gives us access in many states to unit record data, uh, student transcript data, so we can look at their, their education outcomes, sometimes their labor market outcomes. But it also makes our research relevant because we rely on them to help us shape the questions and not just put together a bunch of nerdy papers that, you know, make up words for stuff that to a guy like you would be obvious, or maybe not you, but to the average intelligent guy, you know? Yeah. So anyhow, I'm just maybe that's a little guy. harsh. Yeah. Well, yeah. we work with the states. And the other thing is they, uh, what I, we like about working with state entities, associations, and agencies is that they work with all the institutions, including low-resource institutions, which, uh, you know, sometimes aren't part of national projects or, or you know, national efforts. And I appreciate that about CCA is that, you know, you've worked across many different states in a sort of a nonpartisan way, you know, to advocate. I think that's very hard to do these days. So uh, I think we're similar to you in some ways in the policy realm. Your, yep. your work in the policy and we, us on the research. You know, just going off that for a second, 
You, you mentioned um, going back to 2006 with CCRC. What was the state before 2006 of higher education for those hundreds of years using data and research to inform their practice? And how far has it come in the last 15 years? So it was really underdeveloped. Again, I worked with these Alvin York and Sidney Tickton, who had been big guys in many aspects of higher education in the mid 20th century. And uh, York headed higher education division of the Ford Foundation in the late 50s, and then established this uh, uh, this Academy for Educational Development. Uh, and he brought people he knew from the industry uh, to be these consultants, like they had uh, Ruth Weintraub, who had been president of Hunter College, who was basically the Yenta. Uh, she was, uh, she, you know, she pioneered college search, which is now college presidential search, which is now a very big business. Norman Auburn would, um, and this is getting to your question, Norman Auburn, who had been president of University of Akron and others would come in when a president had left and, you know, be the interim president. So he was sort of the renter president. And then Sidney Tickton, who was really my mentor, worked in the treasury during the war, was a real numbers guy. He came in and did the finance analysis. And so the initial, so most of the analysis was around finances, which is something they really didn't do much before, but these were starting to become big businesses in the sixties with a huge infusion of federal and state money. And then Tickton really brought in other people who, you know, got into the data around, um, got into the data around uh, student progress and graduation. But nationally, it was only, I believe, the Higher Education Act of 96 authorized the, the, uh, the GRS, the iPads graduation rate which only started, I believe, in 2000 or, you know, so it's only been 20 years that we've even looked at the graduation numbers. Yeah. Um, CCRC, I think, helped to pioneer the use, and, and that's important, but those are so global numbers. And they, they, as we all know, they deal with just a subset of students and, you know, uh, much more important is data on what courses students are taking, what programs they're in, and what happens to them both in terms of further education. And we really uh, helped to pioneer that work in community colleges and uh, the, the growth of the National Student Clearinghouse, which has sort of become the de facto statistics agency is very powerful uh, you know, data because you, you find out where your students are going Afterwards, at least in terms of education, are they transferring to another college? Are they leaving entirely? Or are they going to, in a community college, to a university? In a university, are they going to graduate school? And uh, if, if you really care about, you know, as you and I do, about the outcomes, which isn't the graduation, which isn't the awarding of the sheepskin, it's what's the student able to do both in the, the labor market and in further education, you, you got to know that. So uh, uh, we've, we now work with multiple states in, in with unit record data. Um, it does sort of bias which states we work with. Um, we initially started this out with Washington State, mm -hmm. um, but we now work with 
many others to do uh, unit record data analysis. And I'll tell you, of all the research we've done, and we do fancy, you know, I, I was trained as a quantitative researcher, but I'm, I wouldn't say I'm up to date. By the but way, I since, people, people, since this is mostly audio, nobody realized, but when Davis said fancy, he was moving his arms up and down like a... <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, I don't know what this means, but it looks complicated. Yeah. The most the most powerful data, we, the most powerful research, most of it, has basically been charting what happens to students and their progression and what courses are they taking. People don't, I understand you're in the midst, this is, a, you know, education in a community college or a four-year or K-12 is a very yeah. complicated business. You know, it's, it's, it's poorly resourced and certainly in community colleges and broad access institutions, but they don't just step back and ask the question. So our most powerful research, uh, like we did this tipping point thing in Washington, which showed that, uh, uh, that if adult ed students uh, were able to uh, get an, a year-long certificate, uh, occupational certificate, they could get out of poverty. So we, we joined uh, student unit record data with, uh, with uh, un unemployment insurance data. We also use census data to get at socioeconomic status in addition to race. And that proved to be very powerful and useful. So, but all this is in the last uh, 20 years. Yeah. And in the last 10, 15 years, right, for community colleges, well, and just, just so everybody can, you know, kind of level set like community colleges within the broader undergraduate space. So within public undergraduate enrollment, community colleges are um, what? 43%, yeah. 40, around 40%. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and the broad access four years are a number, another 15. That's not, that's the public four years that aren't the flagships like Michigan, Berkeley, or, you know, which is most, which is most of public higher uh, four years are the regional institutions like Northern Illinois or, yeah. you know, et cetera. So, so, so with that, right there, you're talking about more than in broad access public higher education. It's 55 to 60 percent of undergraduates, right yeah. there. But um, so, so you get iPads asking, uh, you know, for the first time, only 20 years ago, what are your graduation rates? And then you get, at least in the community college space, where I think this was, you know, you realize, oh wow, these rates are really low for community colleges. Right. Why is and just that? to put a fine point get, on that, right? So like in 08, it was like what. Uh, twenty percent or overall, or um, yeah, it's in the twenties. Yeah, yeah, for, for the, a three for year, the, but, one, but yeah, it's three year, year. right, yeah. right, and, and now it's at like twenty eight, and which isn't great, but it is improvement. And when right. you you know think about that, I, I guess there's there's a lot of you know things that come to mind that that I think about with with that. But one question is, do you think how much? of the improvement, which again is, you know, also modest relative to what we, we need to get to, but how much of the improvement would you say comes from reform efforts or just from measuring and tracking this finally um, and, and, and the management practice that, that just ends up coming from, you know, watching what you value in a quantitative way? Um, do you think so one's better than the other? Or? Um, the uh, the 
the IPEDS rate is a bad rate of or measure for overall outcomes. Yeah. But Peter Cross and Tom Bailey and I did do some nerdy research. I'm waving my arms again. <laughs> and I sort of understood what we were doing, yeah. um, but was with two uh, maestros. Um, uh, we found that it's actually correlated to other better measures. of. So if you can increase your GRS, yeah. then you're doing something. The problem is that the, the one we, everyone needs to look at is the is the completion, what do they call it? Completing college, the National Student Clearinghouse. Oh, within and six that, years, regardless. Within of, six years, yeah, right. Regardless, regardless of full-time, Right. Yeah. And, that, and regardless of full-time, part-time, which is one of my pet peeves, it's, I think it's artificial, and, yeah. you know. Uh, but I'm pretty, con we, we've seen more and more interest uh, since 2012. Why? Because community college enrollments since 2012 have been overall in most states on a downward trend. They've lost, uh, they've, they're at historic lows with older students, especially in the CTE programs outside healthcare. Um, they have been losing market share to the public four years. Yep. And they've only been able in many states to, in most states, to try to, you know, make up for that by enrolling uh, dual enrollment students. So you're saying that part now, of the reason that we might see gains on the student success front is that when looking at going back to the enrollment revenue gain, in order to even meet that, you have to hit that nexus point of retention that, that is behind both completion and enrollment. And you have to get people who have stopped out if you have fewer students and the market's more competitive. Right. But the, the, exactly. But the, how you do that and is my bigger point is yeah. uh, you need to offer programs of value and you need to teach well and advise well. Yeah. Um, so much of the student success work has been around, including ours, has been around advising, um, the only real advising and student supports and all which, and you know, the Hope Center, uh, beyond financial aid, financial aid, all of which are critical. But we're yeah. saying the reason, we're arguing and have been arguing the reason that you're losing that you're that you're um, been losing students is two a number of things. The labor market is changing, and it values degrees, especially bachelor's degrees, plus skills plus experience. Um, yeah. And what you've been offering is low cost access to courses, um, by you know to some extent, and. Um, We've been, just to put it very bluntly, and it sounds a little harsh, but the reason you're losing so many, so much enrollments uh, uh, and not able to retain students is, number one, you sort students out for, at the front end, disproportionately underserved students through this whole uh, standardized assessment and uh, dev ed stuff and not helping students develop a plan. And number yep. two you let students navigate and most of your programs, uh, many of your, your CTE programs, but actually most of your associative arts programs do not enable students to transfer with junior standing in a major, which is what 
is students need. So guess what? The four years, the public regional four years are facing these same competitive pressures, same demographic trends, which is the traditional high school students in most parts of the country, certainly New England and the Mid Midwest, but even in Texas and California, is declining, becoming more, more diverse, more underserved. So they're upping their game. So this is why we're seeing the public regionals take uh, market share from the community colleges. Um, yep. You know, so the, 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 uh, the, the pandemic, which was horrific on community colleges and their students, only exacerbated these. And in, in order to build back out of, out of the recession, build back enrollments, and uh, finally achieve their, their uh, potential to advance equity, we're going to have to work on the programs, teaching, especially early on, in the foundation courses, and the quality of advising. So, so yeah. So let's this go into that. We've been saying. Yeah. So so let's go into that first one because I know that you and your colleague John Fink um, have been doing uh, a lot of work on uh, that in particular, right? Where you know we've we've seen through the pandemic for community colleges. I want to say that you know new student enrollment for Black and Latinx students is down to basically about a fifth fall to fall, right? And and then for the students who are coming in, you know, the work that CCRC has been pioneering lately is showing that when you're enrolling, there's actually a stratification in the types of programs that students are enrolling into by race. Um, and not yes. only on the enrollment, but also on the completion front. So Absolutely. not only is it a, a difficult situation on the front end in terms of just who's availing themselves or is able to avail themselves of a uh, higher education, um, or let, let me slow down for a second. Just I just want to like you know make sure that I, I set the context here right. So we know that a there has been a through the pandemic dramatic job loss in the areas that do not require post secondary right. Like retail's been hit right. really hard, which were the jobs that the community college students and their families used just to make ends meet, yep. and because so now, those jobs are hammered. Yep. So, so now let's but, make the picture. But those please. jobs also have been, uh, let's even, what, we're, what I'm saying is even pre-pandemic, uh, those jobs are not providing living wages either. Right. Yep. So students really need degrees plus skills. But the guided pathways idea, or whatever you want to call it, is that yes, student clubs, you want to, and we know those are beneficial, but it tends to be, you know, that the average community college student and yeah. particularly in a pandemic tech world, but even, you know, can't, doesn't have time. Yeah. The only place that you can connect them is in the classroom and in a program. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, so, and by the way, the program is what's going to motivate them. And so we, the most encouraging work that we've seen in guided pathways, which is, uh, I, I'm not going to be lie. It's, it's really the early adopters and which are not, this isn't widespread yet. It's very hard to get beyond this mindset, especially the AA uh, because community colleges have been told, look, we got to increase completion and therefore, well, we give the AA. So we got to increase that. Mm -hmm. And we're saying you need to increase the AA, but you also have to change the AA and yeah. you have to change how people get in it. It needs to be either a technical one, like we talked about, which are you know well-established, or 
a pre-major pathway to Wait, so, a baccalaureate. So you're saying that's the, the biggest interest. difference? You, I, I just want to make you, you open the sentence with the biggest change that we've seen, the early adopters. And, oh, and the big, biggest change we've seen is that, okay, in Redesigning America's Community College, where we yep. lay forth this hypothesis, we were big on choice architecture. Yep. And uh, I know CCA was big on it. And we always had good discussions with Stan Jones and brought yep. in all the guy from Swarthmore. And it's very cool stuff. Um, actually, I think the issue is they don't have enough choices. And we didn't think enough about not just choice architecture, but the networks. The colleges that have succeeded and are really having an effect have, have moved these meta majors from being just how you ways of organizing information on the website, which is better than alphabetical, to creating academic and career communities. The biggest sort of uh, uh, staff change in Guided Pathways is, uh, is you embed advisors in the meta-majors, and they work with uh, the faculty in that area to recruit, retain, and you know, essentially, place. And you're that that's so. Actually, I'm going to use this to pivot into a good, uh, a couple. I hope so questions. because I pity the person who's going to edit this. I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You and I are like I the kings of digression. Like having to hack away at a diamond, you know. Um, so let let's pretend I was um, about to create the best community college in the country. I've I've, I've had you know. The, the chance to set something up from scratch. I know this is actually kind of similar to a real predicament with the CUNY Gutman School, right? Where they, they got to build literally yes. something called the new school from scratch. But so now- and we're It was in, based on these ideas. It yeah. Was, yeah. So let's say hypothetically we're in 2021 post pandemic where it's not even so much in, in this space that we're talking about so much a new normal as every problem has hit the accelerator and all the interventions that are corresponding to them also needs the accelerator. So, all right, I'm setting something up. I need an itinerary. I'm gonna I'm gonna go across the country, visit a couple places, and I'm gonna run down like three or four amazing strategies that Davis Jenkins right. has the data that has proven that I should be doing these things. What 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 are you gonna tell me to do? So what we say is, you now in these communities are responsible for onboarding students into your program, and you do you need to do four things and advise on the design of four things. Uh, the first is ask the student what they're interested in, have a conversation with them. Um, there's been a lot of good work around uh, uh, career assessment and that's very important, but the assessment is only useful if it leads to, oh, Davis, I see you just like, you're terrible with people. You hate working with people. Yeah. You know, actually mine would say, you hate working with adults. Why are you working with community? You, you love children. So you should work. I see you love children. And um, why is that? What are you interested in? The second thing is, right away, connect me, the incoming student, based on that conversation, which is not just one time, it's over multiple things, with Professor Ansel. He's mm -hmm. interested in, you know, how you do your interest in business and, and consulting. He's he's has experience at the City College of Chicago and his his academic work is in business is on change management yep. um, right away. And by the way, our our business and uh, uh, our business academic community has a, a 
uh, required orientation where you're going to meet other students. You're going to meet the dean. You're going to meet our professors. We're going to bring in some employers. We might even you know, bring in the dean of business at the local university. Yeah. Because and you're going to see. Yep. Right. So that's two. Ask. In other words, have the conversation. Why are you here? Not like yeah. what career you want to be, but what are you good Who at? You? What do you Who like you? to do? Yeah. Who are you? What do you, what yeah. do you want to become? And then, oh, yeah, you need to talk to him. Or, you know, you should talk to our students. Uh, yeah. You know, you want to be a nurse? You should talk to our students first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because they'll tell you, you know, they'll give you a lowdown. That it's, okay. Number three, and this is, this is the way I've, I've, I've always had, not always, but since 2009-10, I had problems with the whole DevEd enterprise. And I think, unfortunately, the work we and you, you guys have done, not wittingly, and I was part of it. So has sort of over, you know, helped us in some ways substantiate DevEd um, is they need to have a light the fire learning course on a topic of interest in their first term. That doesn't mean, you know, obviously if they're interested in healthcare, they won't be, take, or engineering, they might not be taken, but they need to take a really well-taught course that is well-supported. And then the final thing is they need to, every student should have a, by the end of their first term, at least a preliminary full program plan. And by full program, that plan should either clearly lead to a kind of a job a student might want to get directly out of community college or transfer in a major. And a major is more important than the university where you're going to transfer to. Yeah, It's preliminary. So. It's very preliminary. It will change. But we've known from uh, the four-year institutions like Florida State, Florida International, Georgia State, Arizona State that pioneered these ideas that it's getting the student uh, and and from an equity standpoint, I just think it is un it is unethical to take, especially the students we're serving in community colleges and broad access, take their money, take the taxpayers' money without getting them a a a plan. Yeah, and then scheduling the courses based on that plan, monitoring their progress, enabling the students to see. Um, we say to our children, and actually the research supports, it doesn't matter what you major in, as long as you have a passion for it, you feel you're good at it, and what really privileged people like me know, who you connect with. Yeah, you got to connect to people, and once they have those things, you know these pathways. It doesn't matter. Who knows where they're going to go? I mean, look at all these fields are changing so radically. You just have to have a network. You have to have confidence as a learner, which comes yeah. from that light the fire course. And there's a lot of research in K-12 and uh, four years and community colleges, thanks to Julie Wong at University of Wisconsin-Madison, who came out with, a bit, I think, the most important book on pathways in community colleges was called On My Own. When did that last come year out? In last April, unfortunately, right in the pandemic. But we, it's not unfortunate. This is a profound piece of work because um, one of the limitations, I would say, of CCRC's work, especially I'll, I'll say of my work, is that we've looked at student progression in courses, but we really have not looked at instruction. And she looks at STEM transfer intending 
community college students, that is students who enter community college intending to get a bachelor's degree in a STEM field. Um, and she has, she does through surveys and gets pretty rich data on their, ex, their classroom experience. And she finds, you know, what she, she corroborates what we've been saying. The path to transfer in STEM is not clear. It is absolutely not for community college yeah. students. Uh, that, you know, they're not good networks, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that over, that the mitigating factor that really, uh, uh, that really uh, gets oh, helps students overcome disadvantages of academic preparation, of race, of income, of SES is a active learning experience in the first term, early on. So just really quick, so so I I want to get make sure I also um, as we kind of tie things up here. Um, go back to the. It's all the, over the floor. This is a mess. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Go, go back to the, go back to the, the book you mentioned. You know, I, and by the way, just on the subject of books, you know, the other, the other thing that you had mentioned about, um, you know, building a network. You know, I, I thought that that was a theme that was really brought out in in Paul Tuff's new book, the um, Paul Tuff's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, another really good book. On the same things with the the portion where he's talking with Yuri Treisman about building confidence, and then the portion about how there's so much of um, so much networking goes on, and 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 how that sets you up for your career uh, as much, if not more, than right. the um, the academic. So you and I are able to get our kids to pay off more, but um, yeah. So just on on this topic of books, let me make sure that I get. You know, so I, I just mentioned Paul Tuff, The Years That Matter Most. You mentioned Julie Wong. What's the title? Yeah, X-U-E-L-I X Wong, W-A-N-G, is called On My Own. I'll okay. get it. It's right here. Um, On My Own, The Challenge and Promise of Building Equitable STEM Transfer Pathways. Okay. Excellent. Well, on that... This was a pleasure, a wonderful way to spend uh, my uh, going into the evening now. So thank you very much for your time, for your expertise, for the book recommendations. I think that uh, this will be um, uh, an excellent uh, uh, addition to the CCA on their podcast. So thanks for giving this a whirl with us. Much appreciated. Always a pleasure. And thanks for the work you guys are doing. Oh, uh, yeah. no, CCA is doing on, on equity and quality. Or that's what I would think of equity. Because it's got to be about access to high quality education, not just access to more degrees. And I think you guys are, you know, are leaders in, in working across in a bipartisan way with all different kinds of states uh, and colleges, which is really important these days to really focus on what matters to all people, you know, well, that's of, uh, you know it's access certainly... to economic opportunity. It's certainly based on, you know, the, the research that, that we can grab through, through a partner as strong as CCRC. So uh, much appreciated.